Happy Sabbath. Is that better? Yeah? Amen. I'm so glad to be here. It's been a real busy week, but God is good. Amen. Sun is shining. It's nice and cold. It's nice and warm in here. Praise the Lord. I always love coming here to Angwin Village Church over here. Some special people in this church. My wife and I feel very comfortable every time we come here. And the times that we're not traveling, we're here. And uh, God has a reason and a purpose for everything. Today I'm going to ask each and every one of you to please, before I begin, to just pray for me and pray for yourselves. Um, as I pray aloud, I'll ask that you all will pray individually for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And while you're praying, please whisper a prayer for me too. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time that you've appointed. I thank you, God, for another Sabbath, a day for me that I can reflect that you have delivered me with a mighty hand, a day I can remember, Lord, of where I came from. And now, Lord, I just thank you that I can leave schoolwork alone right now. And I can focus on the word you have for me. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit will be here to speak to each and every person here in this building. Forgive us for our sins, God. We plead for help now, Lord, because we need it. We need your spirit. We need your presence, Lord. The Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And it is your spirit alone, Lord that can speak to us, that can create the change, that can allow us to move and walk in the newness of life. And I pray for your spirit, Lord, to be poured out upon everyone here, to prick everyone where we need to be pricked, to encourage us where we need to be encouraged, and allow us, Lord, to be strengthened, to press on toward the mark. Thank you, Father, for being faithful. Thank you for being true. Thank you for hearing our prayers. And we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. Revelation, chapter 13. Revelation, the 13th chapter, and look with me, if you will, starting at verse 11. Revelation 13 and verse 11. The Bible reads, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns, like a what, everyone? Lamb. Like a lamb. And he spake as a what? Dragon. dragon. 
And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. We look at the end of verse 3 in the same chapter, and it says, And some of the world wondered after the beast. How much of the world? And all the world wondered after the beast. Revelation 13 is talking about these two beasts. We know the first beast represents the papacy. Amen? And the Bible says in Revelation 13 that the dragon gave this first beast, gave the papacy its power, its seat, and great authority. So who's this dragon? Who's the dragon? It's Satan. It's the devil. We find this answer in Revelation chapter 12. It tells us there in verse uh, 9, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the, how much of the world? The whole world. So this dragon, Satan, gives power to the papacy. Okay? And the Revelation in verse 11, chapter 13, verse 11, talks about the second beast. Now, this second beast has two horns like a what, everyone? Like a lamb. Now, who's the lamb in the Bible? When we think of lamb, who do we think about? So this lamb-like, Christ-like power or entity speaks like a what? Speaks like a dragon. And we know that the first beast represents the papacy. This second beast is none other than the country where we live in, the United States of America. And forgive me for not going into the scriptures here to, to, to prove these things, but um, you could talk to me afterwards, and there's many other people I can point you to if you have questions. But for now, we know the prophecy is pointing that the second beast is the United States. The first beast is the papacy. The Bible says that all the world wondered after the beast. I remember I used to sit in the pews in church and I used to always hear that phrase. And all the world wondered after the beast. And I it used to for me, it used to hit me in my mind like all the world wandered after the beast. But I, but then I read it and I said, it's not wandered. It's wondered after the beast. All the world wondered after the beast. All the world was amazed after the beast. All the world was wowed after the beast. It's as if the world was transfixed or enchanted or spellbound, if you will, after the beast. To be in wonder and amazement means that you're in awe. You're wowed. And all the world is wondering after the beast, the Bible says. The Bible says that the United States will speak like a dragon and cause everyone that dwells on this planet to worship the beast by means of the miracles that are going to be performed spearheaded by this country fire coming down from heaven miracles being performed in in front of your eyes and this is going to solidify or back up the message that this country will spearhead and preach and proclaim to all the earth and convince everybody 
to follow and worship the beast. But all the world wondered after the beast. My question to you this morning. Is this because the Bible is is showing us that there's a unification of the world. The world is unified as one and they're all wondering after the beast together. Is this unification process occurring now? Are there precursors to this wondering now? The Bible says that the United States speaks as a dragon. We understand later on that he breathes power into the image and causes the image to speak. And when the image speaks, it's when it it, it symbolizes legislation and laws being passed by this image. Amen. But the Bible says that the dragon, this country speaks like a dragon. Is this country speaking like a dragon now? In order for us to know the answer to this, let's take a look at how the dragon spoke in the Bible. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. These are familiar texts, I believe, to many of us in here. Ezekiel 28. Look with me, if you will, starting at verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. When you seal up the sum, it's reached its maximum capacity. It is overflowing and it is sealed. He has reached the completion of wisdom. He is perfect in beauty. I was taking a walk on the nature trail down by the falls over here, and I was admiring the beauty of the walk. And I said, this is some beautiful, you know, the colors of the leaves and the trees. But none of us have ever seen, has ever seen perfect beauty, perfect beauty. This individual has perfect beauty, the Bible says. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. He wasn't only a covering cherub. He was the first covering cherub. He was a sharer of God's glory. He stood in the presence of God and God's eternal beams rested upon his shoulders and that was his clothing. All the angels were clothed with light, but his light was more special than all the rest of them. His light was more brighter and more beautiful than all the other angels. It was a special light that glowed. He was the most honored of God. I'm going to say that again. He was the most honored of God, highest 
in power, highest in wisdom, highest in glory. Next to God, he stood. His whole form was majestic. His bearing was noble. He was holy and undefiled until iniquity was found in him. Thou art the anointing covering cherub, and I have set thee so. The angels loved to do his bidding. They rejoiced to follow what he, his commands. Next to God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he stood. He stood. And his name was Lucifer, as we, many of us know. The son of the morning. A light bearer of God's truth. Who stood in the presence of God. And this angelic being, the Bible says, how many stones was his covering? Every precious stone was his covering. And I think about all the shiny gems. I think about the dark reds and the, and the golds and the blues and the greens. And I think about his special light that shone. And I can imagine him flying across the heavens. And you see a rainbow streak across the sky. And say, that's Lucifer right there. He deceived a third of perfection. That dwelt in the presence of God. And Adam and Eve knew that he was coming. They were forewarned of his station, who he was who he wanted to be, they were informed about the rebellion and they knew that he was coming. Now listen to this. They knew he was coming. Do we know how things are going to transpire in the end? Have we been shown this? Have we been given this? Eve was, we know the story, straying from her husband's side and she was walking by the tree that God had placed in the middle of the garden, the tree that was prohibited, the tree that he said that the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. The tree of knowledge and good and evil. She was wandering by this tree and she was musing in her thoughts, thinking to herself, you know, why did God put this prohibition? That fruit does look good. And Eve was totally unaware that she was talking aloud. She thought that she was just thinking in her head. Sometimes I, I talk to myself sometimes when I'm washing the dishes, I, I speak out loud and I talk to myself and and I catch myself in these moments at times. And and Eve was in one of these moments, but she thought that she was thinking this. Now, now listen to this, though. She is musing aloud her thoughts and she's right at the point in her thoughts where she's talking about this fruit and God's prohibition. And right at that moment, she hears a voice that says, "Yea, hath God said. Thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden. Can you imagine you're walking down the street and you're on your way to Jamba Juice and you're thinking in your head, man, I'm, this is in your head now. OK, I'm going to get a strawberry banana smoothie and I'm going to tear that thing out. And this is what you're thinking. Right. And all of a sudden you hear a voice in the bushes somewhere. Hey, brother, you want to get that strawberry banana smoothie from Jamba Juice? How would you react? Would you stop in your tracks and think the Lord is speaking to you or something crazy? And you see some human being come out. What would you think about that person? I know if somebody read my mind, I would probably take a step back. I might run away from that person. Something's wrong with you, brother. It's either God or some supernatural. Something's going on with you that you got that information. How are you able to read my mind? 
Eve heard, hears a voice that reads her mind. Automatically, she's subservient to this individual, this being now. Automatically, she's thinking that this being has an intellect that is superior to hers. For he had told her what, was she, what she was thinking. And before Eve even sees the devil, he got her. He got her. Yea, hath God said. And now she approaches the tree. Wondering at this superior intellectual being. And her eyes capture a scene unimaginable. She is seeing this serpent on the tree eating the fruit. Eating the fruit. And he's eating the fruit and he's acting like the fruit is giving him so much strength and he's enjoying himself. And he's, he's biting and crunching on that thing. And as she's walking to this tree, she can't believe her eyes. And she says, God said that we can eat of all the trees in the garden. But the tree that is in the midst of the garden, the tree that you're eating from right now, he says, we can't eat of it. Neither shall we touch it, lest we die. You see, evil isn't familiar with the word of God. Because God said that the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. God did not say the day you touch it, you shall surely die. But Eve was not familiar with the word of God. And so Satan used that to his advantage. He takes the fruit and he puts it in her hand. Now you're touching it. You're not dead. I'm eating it and neither am I. For God doth know that the day you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods, knowing both good and evil. And here is an individual, some being, some superior being that just read her mind. She's seeing a serpent, a beautiful creature with golden wings, talking to her. Never heard it. She's never seen that before. And now she is seeing something she's never seen before. She is hearing a message, his melodious voice, point blank range in her mind. And now she is touching something she thought she could never touch. And Satan is speaking to her audibly, but he's using five different channels to get his message to her. You see, as the deception got thicker, he added one more sense, one more layer. So now he is attacking her eyes. He's attacking her ears. He's attacking her touch. He's attacking her smell. And all she has to do is taste it. And it's a multifaceted attack. She was done when, he, when she thought he read her, her mind. She was already done. And now she is looking at evidence that her senses are intaken that go contrary to everything God says. The more deeper she's in this trap, the more vague God's God word is. Can you imagine? Let's just say, for instance, that just for an example, that God told you guys, don't go to Angwin Church today. Tarek Patel is not going to be here today. He's not going to be here, for instance. And you walk out the window and you see somebody that looks like me. Like, OK, he's, that kind of looks like him. And you walk into the church and now you're hearing me talk. Well, God said he's not going to be here, but he's talking. Not only am I talking, I'm looking at you now. Not only am I looking at you, I just touched you. Now, from what God said to what your senses are telling you, how are you going to be able to refute that? There's going to be a time on this earth when there's going to be fire coming down from heaven in the sight of man, the Bible says. 
There are going to be miracles performed in front of our faces. There's going to be the spirits of the apostles, the servant of the Lord said. Peter, James, John and Paul telling us that the day has been changed. Christ supposedly himself is going to walk this earth beautiful in our face. How will we refute that? How will we be able to stand? The deception was so heavy on Eve, so heavy on her. Now imagine this woman who had perfect vision, perfect ears, perfect sense of touch, and she has taken a perfect attack, point blank. Imagine this woman. She is so deceived and believing that she takes a bite of the fruit and she actually imagines that she's feeling something. She feels like as if her body and her mind is going to a higher state of existence because of what he sold her. And she goes to Adam telling Adam that she loves him. She's all extra now, you know, extra. And Adam immediately sees his wife and Adam says in his head, this was the deceiver. Eve comes to him. He said that was the deceiver that God was warning us about. That was him. God told us about him. You see, the devil didn't use that attack on Adam because that wasn't Adam's weakness. He knew that Adam would not fall for that. So he used Eve for that temptation right at the time. And so while Adam is saying, oh, to, in his head to, about his wife, oh, you're talking about the serpent that gave you this fruit. That's the deceiver over there that God, he saw the deceiver, but no Adam. He didn't see the deceiver because the deceiver wasn't there at the tree. He was right in front of Adam. He was right in front of him. And so often he is right in front of you. You see, Eve had transgressed and now she became the medium for his voice. And so he went from the serpent to Eve to Adam because that was Adam's weakness. We know we face a merciless foe and he's going to pinpoint and attack us right at our weaknesses. And then I look through the annals of time, through history, and we see from the Bible, from Genesis, we see these examples. How has he chosen to reveal himself? He's always come as a beautiful serpent. He's come through Eve. We could just flip through the Bible and we can figure things out. Exodus, he, he came through... Uh, Rebellion of Korah. He came through those guys that rebelled against Moses. He came through Joseph's brothers. He, he came through Esau. He came through Jezebel. He came as an angel of light to Christ. He came through the Pharisees. And then he, he operated through papal Rome, pa pagan Rome, papal Rome. He moves through governments. He moves through politics. He moves through policies. He moves through edicts and laws. Never does he reveal himself on the front lines truly who he is. How is he revealing himself now in these days? Do you know I was reading this thing online? The Bible is the bestseller, number one, most published book of all time. Six billion plus copies printed. Um, I was reading surveys and it said that uh, the average American family has three Bibles in their home. Three. Not one, three. 
I, I remember when I was in Sacramento, we used to do a lot of door to door and we go to door to door. And a lot of the questions I would ask first question, you guys have a Bible? And nine times out of 10 people say, yeah, I got my grandma's Bible here, some Bible here. Or if not, you know, I said, brother, you could download it for free. Get the get the you version Bible or some Bible. Get it for free. The Bible is so accessible and so it's spread out all over the world, different languages. But my question to you is. The Bible is so widely distributed, but why is nobody reading it? Why is this book the same book that people died for, the same book that people were not even allowed to look at, allowed to understand? People died for a page of this, a verse of this. People are locked up in prison for this. And we have it so widely distributed, but it's not even read. You know, I've read so many other surveys and it says like 80% of Christians don't even read the Bible. They don't even read it. And we can talk to our brothers and sisters in all our churches and we would find that, that that is very true. And we can do a poll of people who say we're Christians or say we're Adventists, but they don't read your Bible. But how could you say you have a faith when the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? By the word of God. So how is your, what is your faith based on? When God says that his word is a lamp in this, in this, in this dark world. When God says that you are clean by the words that I have spoken unto you. When he says his word is the truth, his word is perfect. It converts the soul. But why isn't nobody reading the Bible is my question. I'll tell you why. Because Satan, just like how he devised that plan by himself to deceive Adam and Eve. He deceived Adam and Eve. He said, I'm going to do this plan by myself. I didn't want any of my minions or angels taking on this plan. I'm going to take on this plan. And so he came up with another plan. Did you know that? And they had a meeting. I'm going to read it to you. Satan gathered the fallen angels together to devise some way of doing the most possible evil to the human family. One proposition after another was made till finally Satan himself thought of a plan. He would take the fruit of the vine, also the wheat and other things given by God as food and would convert them into poisons, which would ruin man's physical, mental, moral powers. And so overcome the senses that Satan would have full control. You just look back, I think, about a couple hundred years ago, you know, how, you know, the the reality of life was mainly you ate local food that was grown from a local farm. You didn't, you had to dig and plant some crops. If you wanted to wash your clothes, you had to take your clothes to the river and scrub that thing. If you wanted to travel somewhere, you had to get the horse ready, put some horseshoes on, and 20 miles was a trip for you and the family. But nowadays, 20 miles is nothing. Nowadays, the variety of food from back then to now is just ridiculous. The variety of food we have. And because of the population and the manufacturing and the industry, the amount of food is boosted out for the quality and not the quantity. And Satan has poisoned every, every asset or aspect of what we eat and what we put into our bodies. I remember uh, not too long ago, I used to go to a store's and you would see like Red Bulls and rock stars and stuff. It would take up maybe a one shelf on the store. But nowadays, you got fridges full of these things. The whole store lined up. 
The world is progressively getting worse, and the amount of variety that is appealing to us is multiplied by tenfold or more. The variety you can get on any kind of food. This plan is in full effect that he's put in, because man's greatest or weakness is appetite. Caffeine was a hard thing for me to get off. I couldn't, I couldn't even work in the morning without having my cup of coffee. I couldn't. But listen to this. When we pollute our bodies with things that excite, excite our bodies and it burns us out, and our minds are not, are not capable or, or ready to receive God's word. When we're eating foods that, are not, that have no nutrition, and our bodies are, are processing all this food and our blood is working extra hard and our perceptive organs are numb. God can speak to us through here. And Satan knows that. So he plans to numb our bodies and numb our minds. And the same thing with this caffeine. It was, it's, it's kind of like an unspoken evil to me. I hear a lot about alcohol and everything else. But caffeine, billions of people in this world can't survive without caffeine. Their day is over if they don't have a cup of coffee. And it was like that for me for so many years. But think about this now. I want to read a couple of stats to you. 36% of people in this country are obese. Two-thirds are overweight in this country. One-third will develop diabetes in a lifetime. 50% of people in this country are taking some form of prescription drug. 50%. You tell me that this plan is not in full effect. And I look at the word, these people are going to pharmacies. And when I was on my drug episodes, I never had an understanding of how truly powerful it was until I had to go get my drugs at the pharmacies. And I would see a whole bunch of people there at night trying to get their drugs there. Now, I'm not knocking the fact that there there are some situations where we need it. But I'm just pointing out the plan here, okay? I'm pointing out the plan and how Satan is destroying the human family here. And I find it kind of interesting how God uses the word sorcery in in Revelation and in Galatians, witchcraft, and they come from the Greek pharmakia. Many of us are shaking our heads, yes. And I see that these sorceries are being implemented upon the human family. But we see this plan in effect. But how much more is God's plan compared to this? In light of all of this, do we see the relevance of God's health plan and his health message? Do we see the timing of God's health message? Did you know even before Sister White, God had his people preaching this message? He had certain people pumping out this health principles because at the time when manufacturing was getting big and this poison food being converted to poison, God had his plan for his people. But how are the people supposed to know about this plan is my question. How? By us. By us. We're to proclaim this plan and this message. God is using us as the remedy for the sickness of this world. We are the remedy for this dark dark world. I want to read something else to you. Has anybody ever heard of this woman called Alice Bailey? Raise your hand. I want to get a show of hands. I see a couple of hands in here, yeah? Heard of this woman called Alice Bailey. Now, there's some hands that didn't go up, and I want to read something that this woman wrote. And as I read these things, I want you in your mind to tell me 
has this occurred? Is this happening? This woman is a new age theosophist. She is a new age guru. She used to be a, an a, a orthodox Christian. And she was born in 1880, died in 1949. And this woman wrote a bunch of esoteric books about the arcane. And if you, you guys are pretty sure with Alistair Crowley, she, to me, she's like the female version of Alistair Crowley. And she started this company called Lucius Trust, short for Lucifer's Trust. And its headquarters is actually in the United Nations. And in her books, she has certain strategies or points taken from her books. And, and this is her plan to, to usher in this new world order. Listen to what this woman wrote. And keep in mind, she wrote this between 1919 and 1949. Okay? And listen to this. Plan number one. Push God out of the schools. If the people grow up without reference to God, then they will consider God irrelevant to day-to-day -day life. In the last 50 years, I'm asking you all, has this happened? Break the traditional Judeo-Christian family structure. Break the communication between parents and children so that parents can't pass on spiritual values to the children. Has this happened? How are the families being broke up in, in this country over the last 50 years? Remove restrictions on sex is what she's saying. Sex is the biggest joy and Christianity robs people of this. People must be free to enjoy it without restrictions. It's not just for married people. It's for everybody. Is this happening? Number four, since sex is the greatest expression of man's enjoyment of life, man must be free to express sex in all its forms. Homosexualities, orgies, bestiality are all desirable so long as no one is being abused or harmed. Is this happening? People must be free to abort unwanted children. Because if you're able to have sex with whoever you want to, you can have the women should be able to have abortions as much as they want to. Make it easier. Is this happening? Every person develops soul bonds, she says. So when a soul bond wears out, that person must be free to divorce and hook up with somebody else, even though they're, they're married, and make another soul bond. Is this happening? Amen. Diffuse religious radicalism. Christianity says Jesus is the only way. Diffuse that. Lift up other religions on par with Christianity. You know what the Pope, I heard the Pope say? He said that God has spoken to all these other religions in his own different way. He, she is saying, raise these other religions on par. Don't make Christianity the only way. Look at number eight. Use the media to influence mass opinion. Create mass opinion that is receptive to these values by using TV, film, the press, music. Is this happening? Number nine. Debase art in all its forms. Corrupt music, painting, poetry, and every expression of the heart, and make it obscene, immoral, and occultic. Debase the arts in every way, corrupting the imagination. Is this happening? Yeah. Number 10. Get the church to endorse every one of these nine strategies. Get the church to accept these principles and to say they're okay. Then legal ground is given for these values to get a foothold. This is straight from the mouth of the dragon himself. And this was written between 1919 and 1949. And when you turn on the television today, she says to promote promiscuity, have sex with whoever and whatever, promote homosexuality, destroy the family structure in the home, take God out of school, minimize Christianity, 
bring up other religions. The base art, music, painting, everything in all its forms. And as we look over the decades, each one of these things have happened. I turn on the TV, every single TV show, and I've, I've Googled this and I've researched it. Every single, pretty much, TV show, reality show, sitcom, whatever it is, has homosexuality in it. When I was a kid, I couldn't imagine me running into the living room, grabbing my toys, and looking at the TV, and seeing two men doing something that I shouldn't be seeing. And I think about my nieces and my nephews who got to see these things. But more importantly, I go to school here, and the environment that it's creating. People are into this vibe of people can do what they want to do. Let's love and let's just accept people for who they are and let's all come together. Now listen, the Bible says all the world wondered after the beast. All the world wondered after the beast. Television is uniting the world. You go to Africa, Asia, Europe, When music first came out, hearing an Asian rapper was like unheard of. Now, hip-hop, R&B, and all these countries, it's the same spirit that the music... I went to Saudi Arabia. I don't know if I shared this here, but I went to Saudi Arabia. Walked into the mall, and outside the mall, I thought I was looking at the MTV music video. In Saudi Arabia, when I was there in 89, it was so strict. You bring a Bible, you talk about Jesus, you're going to jail. But when I when I went there, these kids had the hats backwards and jeans on. And they were just, just like they looked like they were from the street, thugged out. They looked like guys from our street corners here. And I went like this. And my mom over there, my stepmom, she said, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. We got MTV out here, too. That's what she said to me. But the thing that really caught my attention there is the behavior, the mannerisms of these kids. It was the same spirit that these kids have out here. The same spirit is being pumped out worldwide through music, through television. All the world wondered after the beast. These things are happening now. Now. And he is speaking now. It's a heavy, hard message. It's truth. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. God has a plan. God had a plan. And what a plan that is. You know, the Internet nowadays is another facet that he's using to connect the world. Economy is already connected. You can't have one country fall and collapse without our country or other countries being affected. Every country is pretty much connected. And I want to make this point. When I'm talking about certain struggles people have, and now the the frame or the mind frame of even the Pope, this Pope now is revolutionary. He's even shocking many of his believers. He's he has this this mindset of just, you know, loving everybody, accepting everybody, show them Jesus. And it sounds wonderful, but we must be careful. Because this thing is even pervading our church, and not only our church, our church, but all the churches here. And I'm not going to talk about what's going on in our church. That's another part. But I want to bring this point out, that God has power to deliver. There are people who struggle, and I know people here on campus here who have friends that are homosexual, 
who maybe they have struggles with that kind of thing. Or they, it's so rampant now. And I don't want to preach a message where I'm not going to say that God has power to deliver. Because there are people who believe that I'm born this way. I can't help the way I feel. It's a part of me. But the servant of God says that hereditary and cultivated practices... If you're born with it, if it's in your blood, you can't help the way you think or feel. That's okay, but you just call to God and he can change you. There's a God with all power. And this is where faith comes in. No, you can't do it. Of course you can't do it. That's why he said, come to me, because I can do it. All what the devil is doing. He comes up with these two plans to deceive man. He comes attacking the food. He wants to distract us with the pharmaceuticals. He wants to distract us with the music. He wants to distract us with the television. He wants us all to wander after this beast. He was doing all this work. Why? It's a testament to how powerful this is. This is why people are not reading the Bible. Because he's doing all that work to get your mind away from the power. Because the kingdom of God is in power. The Bible says that where the word of a king is, there is power. And he doesn't want you to experience this power in your life. He doesn't want people to know about the power, the power that gets him running away. He had a plan. But when God saw Adam and Eve fall, the council of peace was held. And the plan was rolled out on the table. The plan of redemption. And Jesus himself came up with the plans and he says, I'm going to execute this plan by myself. And what a plan that was. He looked upon Adam and Eve. And can you imagine if you were an angel and there was a rift in heaven and a third of your brethren left? And now you see this rebellion taking taking place on the planet of your creator's children, your brothers. And now this planet has fallen into darkness. I think like if I was an angel, I'll be thinking, when is this going to stop? It's over here and now it's over here. When is this going to stop? And Jesus, when he saw it, I love what she says. She says his heart was struck with infinite pity. Because now you're messing with his kids. You're messing with my children. And you're taking my children away from me. And he said, you know what? I don't even want to live in heaven no more without my children by my side. Heaven was not a place to be desired by him without us there. And so he came up with this plan. And he said, I'm going to execute this plan by myself. And he told his angels, the ones who he created, he said, I'm going to need your help. Because I'm going to take on the frame of man and I'm going to be weak. But I'm going to need you guys to give me strength and support me down here. And he came down in the form of a man, weakened by 4,000 years of sin. And he walked this planet and he had his mind fixed that he was going to sin not. Even though his strength was less. Even though his power was less than all his created beings. His faith was strong. And he walked this planet in the wilderness. Haggard, thirsty, and hungry. And he was tormented by the devil for 40 days. And he told Satan, it is written. It is written. The word that delivered him. 
And then on he went on to Gethsemane, where he, where he fell face flat to the ground. And he was bleeding on the floor. And if it wasn't for Angel Gabriel that came down and gave him strength in life, he would have died in Gethsemane. If it wasn't for the angels that came to him after the wilderness and ministered unto him and gave him strength, it's quite possible he would have died then too. And after Gethsemane, they took him to Caiaphas, the high priest's house. And there they beat him. They put a cloth on his face and punched him in his face. And they said, if you're the prophet, tell us who hit you in the face. And while they were beating Christ, you know that there was a stir in heaven. The lesser ranking angels, they were itching to come down here and slay all the men with one stroke. But the higher ranking angels told them to keep back for the Lord hath bidden this to happen. And there he stood with the crown of thorns, his back ripped open with that robe of mockery. And Pilate said, behold, the man and all the universe beheld and they were stunned because this man had the power to call legions of angels with one thought. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. And he came to save his children, but his children turned their backs on him. And his love still pushed him forward, pushed him forward onto Calvary. And even though they turned their backs on him, he hung there, didn't say a mumbling word, but prayed for his children. He was concerned about his mother. He was concerned about the daughters of Jerusalem. He turned to that thief in the cross and said, I'm saying to you today, You will be with me in paradise. And he hung his head and he died. And because of that wonderful act, his wonderful love, he became that bridge that grabbed a hold of this dark planet and he had a hold of heaven. And he became the connection that he may bring man up to glory. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, yea, even the princes of his people. And now Jesus became the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. Now man was brought back to the garden. Now man was brought back to probation. Now it is up to us to choose. And regardless of what Satan wants to do, and regardless of his heavy attacks, Jesus... You see, the dragon speaks and distracts, but he doesn't want us to hear Jesus' voice. Because when Michael speaks, the dead burst forth out of their graves. Remember the story when the officers sent their soldiers to go and arrest Jesus, the Pharisees, and they came back empty handed. And they said, where's Jesus? I thought you were going to arrest him. And they said, never a man spoke like this man. When Jesus speaks, lives change. Bones, dead bones walk. He doesn't want you to hear Jesus. And Jesus is interceding for us now in this dark world. While Satan is working to get the world to wander after the beast, Jesus is speaking to his people. And he is interceding now. And the Holy Spirit is the commanding general down here. And all the host of heaven is emptied out on our behalf to help us. And God has left a fortress down here on this dark world and he called it his church. You and I, 
And because he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, we are to show forth his glory. We are God's appointed agency, she says, for the salvation of mankind. I'll say that again after I drink this. My family, I want to tell each and every one of you that God has commissioned all of us, as crazy as it sounds, to save the world. God has called you to save mankind. Amen. Think about that. Through his power, he wants to work through you to save the world. Amen. Regardless of what Satan does down here, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Regardless, as as the world is getting worse and sin is abounding, he says, my grace did much more abound. And he has left us with power down here. Power. You know, the first angel's message says to fear God and give glory to him. Fear God. That means when we wake up in the morning to, to know that he is the master of our lives. He is there. He is God. He is the provider. He is, we're practicing his presence all the time around us. In everything we do, this book of the law shall not depart out of our mouth. It's good to know the knowledge, but is it in your mouth? It's good to read. It's good to study. But do, are we talking about this? Are we sharing this? It says, fear God and give glory to him. How do we give glory to him? Matthew tells us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If we all are going to let our light shine and show the world who he is. Do you know that's our job? We're we're supposed to show the world who he is. Let your light shine. I don't even have to be there. I can work through you and Satan is no match for you when I'm there. It doesn't matter what he throws at you. You have my power. Take hold of my strength, my son, my daughter. Let your light so shine. Love for Christ, my family, is expressed in the deeds. Love for Christ in heart is expressed in the deeds. So my challenge to you this morning is don't let it depart out of your mouth. Be encouraged that God has chosen us to fight in this great controversy. He has chosen us, weak me, to stand under his banner and to help save mankind. There's no more important job ever given to any human being. And we are in the time of the end. The prophets wish they could have lived in this time because grace abounds more than in that time. Because sin is, sin is crazy nowadays. I want to encourage you all to let's go forth and show the world who he is. Amen. Who he is. He says, I am the first. I am the last. I am Alpha. I am Omega. I am the faithful and true witness. Before the day was, I am He. And I'm going to close out on this scripture. I just love this verse. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Have you not, has, has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth 
and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Let's all show the world who he is. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, that you have constructed and came up with the master plan. And regardless of all the enemy's devices, your power has never failed and will never fail. I thank you, Lord, that even though we see what's coming and, and you want us to learn from what happened to Eve, you want us to learn, but give us a hunger and a thirst for your word, Lord. It's not natural for us to just want to read and, and do these things all the time, Lord. We have weak hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would be strengthened to exercise our spiritual natures, spiritual man, and walk in the spirit. I pray, God, that you would give us the, the hunger to do this. I pray, God, that we will stay focused on our mission down here, that we have been called to show forth your glory and praise to this fallen world. We have been called, Lord, for the salvation of mankind by your grace working in our lives. Lord, I just thank you for the word that you've spoken to all of us. And I trust, Lord, that you are always faithful to see it through to the end. And Lord, may your spirit go with us as we leave here. May we ponder the truths that we have received. And may we seek more truth in your word. And give us a heart and a boldness to share it with others. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Happy Sabbath. In Jesus' name. Amen.